Turn to a passage in Matthew's Gospel now. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke um, from Matthew 13, and um, it was a message about why Jesus spoke in parables, and it was kind of an overview of why Jesus spoke in parables. It was a question that the disciples asked uh, Jesus, and he said, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them, which kind of makes us think... But the parables were there to invite people to look further and to dig deeper and to understand who Jesus really was. In the context of opposition to Jesus, he used the parables to get across deep spiritual truths um, in a way that was uh, kind of went under the radar, as it were. But I thought I'd like to revisit one of the parables Um, that uh, we went through, because Matthew collects quite a lot of parables together um, in chapter 13, but I want us to look at one of the parables uh, tonight. So it's the parable of the weeds, and it's verse 24 um, in Matthew chapter 13, and it'll be on the screen. And um, sometimes with parables, Jesus just spoke the parable, but other times he explained them to his disciples. And this is one of the parables that the disciples ask for an explanation about, and we'll read the explanation too. So Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat And went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? The enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And then he tells another parable, but then he leaves the crowd. So we pick up in verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear. At first glance, you can look at the parable of the weeds and be really encouraged that the Lord doesn't want you to do gardening. And uh, I know. To my shame, I hate gardening. I, weeds. Just, but I do understand that this parable is a lot more deeper than that. And uh, I'd ask us to pray. And as we, I pray, would you pray for me? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying tonight through this parable that you spoke, Lord Jesus. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, we might be those who are guided by your words into all its truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alpha starts again in um, the 27th of October. I've lost count of how many Alpha courses we've done, but we've been running over 20 years now, consecutive Alpha courses. Many, many folk have come to know the Lord Jesus on those courses, and uh, do pray about that next one. One of the questions that always, always, always comes up on my small group table is, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow evil in this world? And I want to just talk briefly about that through Jesus' teaching in this parable. Steven Spielberg is um, a very famous uh, film producer and director and lots of other things. Of one of his films, he said, throughout the time we were making it, I just couldn't stop crying. The film was called Schindler's List. If you've never seen it, um, it's a film you kind of only see once. It's not the kind of film you say, what should we watch tonight? <laughs> Let's get out Schindler's List. And... Because it tells the story of one of the darkest evil moments in, in human history. And in the film, there are depictions of the Holocaust. German soldiers butchering helpless women and children in the Jewish ghettos. In one scene, there's an SS officer who just uses prisoners in the prison camp for target practice. Trainloads of bewildered Jews arriving at the death camps. And woven into that is the story of Oscar Schindler, who was a businessman who, who saved thousands of Jews from the extermination camps. I remember visiting Jerusalem 
It was my first visit to Jerusalem. And going to the Holocaust Museum, and those of you who have been um, on one of our pilgrimages, we, we do visit the Holocaust Museum. And it's not an easy visit. And I, I have always had imprinted on my mind just one big photograph that was there in one of the rooms. And it was a photograph of piles and piles of bodies on top of one another. Naked bodies. Emaciated bodies. Huge pile. And then in front of it, just these Soldiers, obviously on a break, smoking and laughing, stood in front of that pile of women and children, young men and old men, who had just been killed. And it just exposes evil for what it is. Its horrors made, the horrors of the Holocaust made one survivor, Simon Weisenthal, conclude God must have been on leave during the Holocaust. He must have been on holiday. And today, as we look out upon the world, there is still evil in the world. Very much so. Principalities and powers that are very much behind the death cults of IS and Al-Shabaab and Boko Haram and other movements that are causing so much pain and suffering in our world. Atrocities on such a huge scale, the like of which we see in Syria, particularly, and Iraq. The persecution of the church of Jesus Christ that is more persecuted now than ever before in human history, in the history of the church, more Christians killed because they believe in Jesus. Then the abuses that we hear day by day by day on our television screens as we watch the news. A schoolgirl walking to school in Oxford, abducted and raped by two men in a car just last week. And when faced with such evil and horror and injustice and suffering, many might agree with Simon Wiesenthal who says God is absent. And I'm asked again and again on Alpha, how can you believe in a God who allows that? 
pointing the finger at God, saying he's either not strong enough to stop it or something worse than that, that he's not loving enough to want to. Have I thoroughly depressed you enough yet? But into this world of suffering and pain and evil and injustice, God himself came as a human being born as one of us. Baby in Bethlehem, Christmas is coming. God incarnate. And in this very short parable, Jesus speaks about the presence of evil in the world. And right throughout Scripture, we are assured that God hates the pain and suffering and injustice that Satan brings to this world, far more than we do. It says even that he hates certain things. When uh, I was reading through Proverbs, Chapter 6, verse 16, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Psalm 5. How long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? For you, God, are not pleased with wickedness. You, evil people, are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all that do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful, Lord, you detest. And throughout the scripture, there are those passages that we're assured that God hates injustice. So why, then, does he allow it? It's one of the things that we struggle as Christians with a lot. Because for the person who's not a Christian who points the finger at God, it's, I just say, well, you don't actually believe in God. Don't start blaming him for things and you don't actually believe he exists. But we know he is good. We know he is love. And sometimes it challenges us. Then why? Why? In this parable, Jesus tells us that he, the Son of Man, sowed good seed in the world. In the very creation narratives, we're told that God looks upon his finished work of creation and he declares that it is good. And not only good, but it is very good. 
but we, humanity, that he makes in his very image, in his likeness, with that gift of free will that God gives. Humanity believes the lie of Satan right there in the very beginning. And humanity invited Satan's very bad seed to take root in God's good creation. Behind all that is evil in this world is the devil. There's no question. Satan caught the human race napping and promised that we would be like God if we just did what he said. And as soon as Adam and Eve in that creation narrative took the bait, bit the apple, you see it happening. They begin to argue with one another. They blame one another. They hide from God. And within a few verses, one of their sons has committed murder. And before the end of Genesis, just the first book of 66 books in the Bible, their offspring had embraced deception, violence, genocide, vendettas, incest, adultery, abuse, idolatry, slavery. Just a catalogue of corruption. Which we still see today. And stricken with guilt and restlessness and loneliness and sickness and eventually death. Man runs away from God. At the very point we should have run back to him. It happens so often. We run away from God when we should be running to him. And our outrage at the evil in our world Betrays that deep God-given instinct that the world should not be this way. This should not be how it is in this world. And we ask the Lord to intervene as we have tonight in our prayers. And we're asking your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask it because Jesus said we can ask it. Praying God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. With the knowledge that Jesus said it is coming. It is here. The kingdom of God is here. It's come in Jesus. And one day will be revealed in all its fullness. When there will be no more evil, pain, suffering, death, sickness. The difficult truth for us is that suffering persists in this world, not because of God's indifference, but because of his mercy. Now that doesn't sound right. Mercy. Yes, a day is coming when all evil will be destroyed. 
Jesus came. It's one of the things he says he's come for. I have come to destroy all the works of the evil one. Imagine for a moment if he had destroyed all the works of the evil one now. It would be the end. It would be that new heaven, new earth. So why does he delay? Because we would say, well, let's do it. Let's get on with it. Jesus tells this parable. That he had sown good seed and it had begun to grow. The kingdom is growing. But the devil comes and he sows his bad seed and it grows at the same time. And all over the world, see the kingdom of God growing. In part, some parts of the world were seeing the kingdom of God manifest in such amazing ways. Revivals happening. Amazing moves of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, we're seeing incredible revelations of darkness and evil manifest in our world. A day is coming when there will be no more evil, when the old order of things has passed away. So why delay? Because God in his mercy has many more to save. If he had come 31 years ago, I for one would be lost destined for eternity, separated from God, because at that moment I was in rebellion to him. (laughs) Jesus has many more to be saved. All of us need forgiveness. All of us need the kindness of a savior. None of us can save ourselves. No good works that we could do could ever save us. That's why Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. And he's doing that and his kingdom is coming and we're seeing it every day. That's why we're here, folks. Jesus has rescued you. And we're called to be on mission for him that others may know that same rescue. Oscar Schindler needs Jesus. He needed Jesus. I don't know if he ever turned to the Lord Jesus. See, when evil ends, it all ends. The weeds get pulled up at harvest time, and they will be burned. So it seems what Jesus is teaching here is that He allows evil to grow as well. Because the day has not come when he will deal with it and uproot it and be done with it. Anne Frank, another Holocaust victim, wrote in her diary one day, I can feel the suffering of millions on my heart and yet I look up to the heavens and I know all will come right with him. Jesus in this parable talks about that great harvest day to come when he will return with his angels. 
and the weeds will be gathered up and thrown in the fire. The whole of the devil's hosts and demons and all of those things and those who have served him will be uprooted. But he will gather his people, his children, his family into the glorious new creation. It is because of his love and mercy that the weeds and the wheat are allowed to grow alongside each other in our fallen, lost, and broken world. But Jesus is on the move. As he has always been. And he offers new life and forgiveness and hope and eternal life to every sinner that would just turn to him. My daughter works for Open Door. She tells me of stories of ISIS commanders turning to Christ. I pray that they'll meet with Jesus in dreams and visions. Do. God is about a great and amazing work. Is God powerful enough to intervene? Of course he is. Is he loving enough to care? Of course he is. And all suffering here on earth is temporary. He is loving and forgiving enough to make the way for us through his own suffering and death on the cross. One of my favorite books that I read uh, at Bible college years and years ago was a book called The Cross of Christ by John Stott. And uh, it's just an amazing uh, exposition of the, the cross and what it means. And in one of the stories, it tells of people who are sort of lined up to accuse Jesus, those who have suffered most in this world. And then Jesus tells his story. How he became a human being. How he had to flee with his mum and dad for the threats on his life, living as a refugee, how he was falsely accused, how he was betrayed, how he was arrested on false charges, how he was tortured, how he was executed, God Almighty, for us, who drank the cup of human suffering ground to its last dregs and then cried out, it is finished. The debt is paid in full. For you and for me. For this world, this sinful, broken world. And how he rose from the dead. The beginning of that new creation. When Jesus smashed death a new creation began. He is the firstborn of that new creation. And we are part of that if we trust and have given our lives to him. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Why did God delay? 
We'll never fathom it all, but he delayed to save you and to save me and to save many more. And there will come a day when he comes in all his glory with all the angels and we will see all that we have been destined for and we will be like him for we will see him as he is. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We trust you with our lives, with all that we are and all that we have. You are good and your love endures forever. You are the hope of this world. You're the savior of this world. We thank you that you came to save, to redeem this world. We thank you that that's what you're doing right now. You're doing that right now. And one day you will come with your angels, with the host of heaven, and you will make all things new. Lord, we cry out for this world as we have prayed tonight, for the places where evil is growing. But we thank you that nothing can overcome your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your kingdom is unstoppable. And we just simply pray, save more, Lord. In our families, among our friends, save more. Among our communities, save more. In this nation of ours, save more. In the nations of the world, save more. And use your church, we pray. Use us, we pray. For the glory of your name. Amen. We're going